0: of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed with us. Someday we're gonna say with the Apostle Paul, it was all worth it because of the future inheritance that God has for us.
1: Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogie, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today we conclude our look at being adopted into the family of God, part of our study of Romans chapter 8. We've seen so far that, as God's children, we have the opportunity to fellowship with Him, calling Him Abba, Father, literally, Daddy. And as a good father, God seeks to protect us and to keep us from having to experience the difference between good and evil. Unfortunately, God's first children, Adam and Eve, sinned when they sought to put experience over the revealed Word of God. But God doesn't want us to make the same mistake. He'd rather we seek His will and His ways through His Word and through prayer, rather than having to learn the hard way the difference between good and evil.
0: Now God doesn't want you to know good and evil by experience. God wants you to know good and evil the way He knows good and evil. By revelation, by direct revelation from an all-knowing God. And so God said, here's a tree. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I don't want you to eat from it. I want you just to leave it alone. And that should have been enough for man because God said it. And so even today... People are no longer satisfied with the Word of God. And we have all these denominations and preachers last week agreeing with the Supreme Court. And the liberal media introduced all those kinds of preachers saying, they did a wonderful thing because this is an equal rights issue. This is not an equal rights issue. This is a moral issue. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says the law, speaking of man's law, is not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. And so he says, man's laws are, are written against perjurers and drunkards and murderers and homosexuals because God sees it as a moral issue. But listen, I'm telling you, it's happening and it's happening fast and it's going to happen. Just the, the next step is they're going to say, no tax exempt status. You can believe what you want, religious freedom, but the federal government will not acknowledge you as a nonprofit, as a church. That's next. And eventually, they will arrest preachers for hate crimes. I preached a sermon one time on the Antichrist, and I think there's good reason to believe from the book of Daniel that the Antichrist will be a homosexual. And the spirit of Antichrist is very much at work in our day, my friends. And God's people need to stand up. Someone said to me this week, there was a couple who came to your church and you made them mad. I said, "Why why did I make them mad? Because their son is a homosexual. And you said homosexuality was wrong. I said, God said it was wrong. And I read to her a portion of Scripture. In fact, she became a Christian by the hour was over. She was filled with questions. I said, God says, don't you know the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers shall inherit the kingdom of God. The next verse says, But such were some of you. And such were some of you, I know, because I led you to the Lord. God gave me the privilege, and you told me that you came out of that lifestyle. And God has saved you and redeemed you and made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And some of you I've even married. Praise God the changes he can make. Listen, we need to make the authority, the word of God, as the psalmist said, establish my footsteps in your word And so John promised this in John 14, 26, the Lord Jesus said it, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, you need to be led by the word of God and the spirit of God. When he leads you, he leads you in conjunction with the word of God. Now, certainly this was a special promise for the apostles because God would bring to their minds the things the Lord Jesus said so that the New Testament could be recorded. But this teaching ministry, this helping ministry goes beyond the apostles because 1 John 2.27 teaches that all of those who are born again can be taught and led by the Spirit of God. And so to be led by the Spirit is to not look for some mystical experience. Or some feeling. But it is to spend time studying and renewing your mind in the Word of God. And listen, the will of God never contradicts the Word of God. Say amen, will you? All right. now there's the Spirit's leading. That's the first point. Secondly, adoption also brings the Father's love. The Father's love. Look at verse 15. For you have received a spirit of slavery. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So in adoption, we experience a new intimate love relationship with God, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now these are two words, Abba, Father, from two different languages. Abba being Aramaic, Father being Greek. The Bible is written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Almost the entire Old Testament in Hebrew, with a few chapters and paragraphs here and there in Aramaic. Almost the entire New Testament in Greek with a few sentences and a word here in Aramaic. Abba, father. Two words side by side. It was the first word an Israeli child would say in Paul's day. They would call their daddy Abba. It's the first word typically, at least dads like to think that a child says of them. They say daddy. It's a very tender word. And so I was there in the marketplace in Jerusalem and listening to all these Jewish children go around calling their daddy and mama, Abba, Emma, Abba, Emma. And it reminded me of this passage. And Paul is saying, God's Spirit living in you causes you to cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. Now, it's a radical thought, a radical thought for a Jew to address God directly as Father. Even the names of God were so revered by the Jews. When they wrote the name of God, They would set aside a quill, they would wash their hands, they would pick up a new quill, they would write the name of God as they copied Scripture, they would take that quill, lay it aside, dispose of it, never to use again, and they would go back to the old quill, continuing to copy Scripture. And so there was a wonderful, magnificent reverence that they had for God, but the sad part was their distance from God, and especially today, because none of us have to be distant from God as members of a new covenant. And so, because Jesus, just as he promised, sent another one just like himself, he didn't leave us as orphans. And so the Spirit causes us to cry out, Daddy. Now, if you've ever led someone to faith in Christ, one of the first marks of their conversion as they learn to pray is they begin to call God Father. It's a wonderful thing to watch. I could have prayed, I suppose, this morning, Daddy, please help me to preach. Though Had I done that, some of you would have written me letters, I suppose, and said, well, pastor, you're too familiar with God. You're, you're not reverent enough with God. Um, but I certainly could have done that. I could have called him daddy. And, and you can tell him, especially in your private life, when you look at him in the eye through faith, you can call God your daddy. But in Scripture, you find both terms, father and Abba. One is a term of reverence, and the other a term of intimacy. And every time the Lord Jesus prayed, he prayed to God as Father, with one exception. On the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because as he became sin for us, as he bore our sin in his own body on the cross, and he was separated from the Father, he didn't refer to him as Father, but he taught us to pray that way in the model's prayer, or what we sometimes call the Lord's Prayer. He says, When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Now, to call God Father is one thing. But to call God daddy or a papa or Abba, that's, that's amazing. And yet the Lord Jesus, even there in Gethsemane, he was saying, Abba Father. And when you pray like that, it shows not just your reverence for God, but your intimacy before God. We we might say today, my dear heavenly Father, this is an entirely new form of address that comes through the indwelling presence of God, the Holy Spirit. We can all call God, if we've been saved, Abba, Father, something that no old covenant believer could ever do. And that's a reality through the indwelling, occupying, and enabling presence of God, the Holy Spirit. We no longer have a spirit of slavery that leads to fear. We now, through the indwelling presence of the Spirit, experience an intimacy with God where we can call Him Daddy. Have you done that? Is that true of you? I meet these people who have birthed pop psychology into the church today, and they will tell you if you grew up in a home where your daddy was a tyrant or a lousy dad, that you're going to have problems relating to God as Father. That is not true. That's not what the Word of God teaches. That's secular psychology coming into the church. Because when you are saved and you are born from above, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you such that you can call God Abba, Father, Daddy. That is a truth that is uh, true of every child of God. So how do you know God today? Do you know Him the way you know the President? All of us in one sense know the President, the one we call Mr. President. But do you know God the way you know the President? Just a lot of facts about God? You know, How do you really know that you know the Lord? Because that's eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. In the discovery class, we go through four assurances by which a person can know God, that are taught in the New Testament. One is the one found here in the text. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we've become children of God. So my human spirit says that I am saved. There's an intimacy that I didn't know before I met God. And I suppose it would be wrong to standardize all the experiences as to how that expresses itself. But clearly, at least in this context, at the minimum... Someone who knows they're saved understands that God is their father and their papa. How else can I know that I'm truly saved? Well, because of the testimony of the word of God. John wrote, writes, in the testimony, or some translations say, in the witness, is this, that God has given us. We don't, we don't earn it. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. You're either saved or you're lost. There, there's no in-between. Well, how can I know? These things I've written to you. Written. He's talking about the written word of God, the written testimony of Scripture. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you can know. Not wonder or hope, but know what things? The things he's described in 1 John that are marks of genuine conversion. I've written these things to you so that if these marks are true and evident in your life, you can know that you have eternal life based on the authority of Scripture. None of us could know on the testimony of Scripture. God could never make promises like this if the word of God did not teach that Jesus paid in full your sin debt. But because he finished all of the demands that the Father had against you such that there is now, this moment, no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus, God can give you a promise. How else can I know? Not only the testimony of the word of God, but my testimony before men. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men I will also confess him before my Father who's in heaven. There may be private adoptions in the human world, but not in the divine world. When someone meets the Lord, they go public. So I can know I'm saved because of the testimony of Scripture. I can know I'm saved if I'm not ashamed of the Lord Jesus and I'm willing to publicly confess him. But I can also know based on the testimony of a changed life. Jesus said, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. So then he said you will know them by their fruits. So you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. If you truly have salvation, your life will change, and if it hasn't changed, you've missed salvation by a foot. It's in your head, but it is not in your heart. So there's the testimony of the Word, there's the testimony before men, there's the testimony of a changed life, and here there's the testimony of God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit, not with our body, Not with our soul, but with our spirit, that we are children of God. I know I am a child of God based on the witness of the word, but also based on the witness of the spirit of God within. The spirit testifies, he witnesses to my spirit, to my innermost being, that I have been saved. Now, do you know that you have that internal witness today? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about some emotional feeling, though God has certainly made us emotional People, But it goes far beyond emotions. Think about this for just a second. How is it that God knows something? How is it that God knows something? Does God know something because he he feels it emotionally? Of course not. Well, does God know something because someone tells him? Of course not. God's not waiting for you or anybody else to tell him anything. Well, does, does God know something because he figures it out? Has it ever dawned on you that nothing has ever dawned on God? God God doesn't figure out anything. God just knows it automatically. He just knows it because he knows. How do I know I'm saved? Well, one way is because the Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I've become a child of God. Do you know what I'm talking about? You just know it because you know it. So I, I know you can't separate that from the rest, but I know based on the finished work of Christ and the promises of the Word of God, that come with that finished work in my outwardly changed life that bears fruit and that is not ashamed of Christ. But I also know because the Spirit of God lives in me, I just know. We sing it, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me, He talks with me, a long life's narrow way. He lives, He lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives? He lives within my heart. There is an existential side, indeed, to genuine conversion. So there's this blessing of adoption. What does the blessing look like? The Spirit's leading. There's the adoption that brings the Father's love. And then finally, as we close, the adoption brings the Son's legacy. We read here in verse 17, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. Now, I know that if you have a great, rich grandfather or daddy, and you know your name is in the will, you're interested to know what he left you. Don't look so pious. You know you're interested in what he left you, are you not? Right? Of course. Well, it's a pity that the children of the king aren't that interested and don't have that same passion for the things of God. And so here he says in this verse that we're heirs of God. You know what that means? It means we inherit all that God owns. You know, I, I was singing a hymn in my quiet time this week and we haven't sang it, Matt, a long time in the church, here in the church. You know it, Matt. It's a great hymn. It's in our hymnal. It's called The Child of the King. My father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold. His coffers are full. He has riches untold. But not only we are, Heirs of all that God owns. The Bible teaches we are heirs of God Himself. We read it this morning in Psalm 16. The Lord is my portion and my inheritance. David will say, Whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. Listen, when you get God, you get everything. Everything. You don't get a piece of God. You get all of God and all of his greatness and all of his fullness. You know, a couple of years ago, I got this thing in the mail through one of my credit card companies that I was engaged in some class action suit. And if I didn't want to be involved in it, I had to fill out this paperwork. There was about three pages. And I thought, man, I'm not going to fill that out. Why wouldn't I want it if they owe me something? So I got a check this week. You know how much it was for? $2.16. Now, they said there was millions and millions of dollars out there that this credit card company had abused, but I got a check for $2.16. Listen, when you get saved, you don't get part of God. You get all of God, all that He is. That ought to be able to make you shout, amen? Listen, and if children, heirs also and also fellow heirs with Christ. Now, we'll explore this next week, especially the great abuses of the Joe Olsteins of this world. But this passage shows us the Father adopts us, the Spirit indwells us, but the Son crowns us because we're fellow heirs with the King. Now understand, this inheritance, it comes in three stages, and I suppose in many ways that's why we don't fully appreciate it. First, there's the initial pledge that Romans 8, 9 speaks of that Ephesians 1 talks about. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge, as a down payment, as a guarantee. Another translation says, the Old English says, as an earnest. You know what earnest money is? You know, my first year on staff with Campus Crusade, God impressed me, you need to pray for a wife. And I began to pray for a wife. I believed God was going to give me a wife. And I thought it was getting close. And, and I'd been praying for several months and specifically of what I know I needed in a wife and how she could compliment me and what her commitment needed to be. And I started thinking, you know, if God brings a wife, I don't, I don't think I have the money for a wedding ring. I was just a poor missionary with Campus Crusade for Christ. And we were making nothing back in those days before they restructured the salary. $383 a month. You live on that. See what it's like. They said it will keep you humble. It kept us humble, all right. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Well, uh, I had a 55 Buick, beautiful 55 Buick, totally restored. I said, there's money in that for a ring someday. And I went out and I put it in a parking lot. And I mean, within an hour, the phone was ringing off the hook. Some guy said, I want to meet you. I want to meet you right now. I went down there, money talks. He says, here's $500 right now. I will be back in less than an hour with the rest. What was he saying? He's saying, here's earnest money. Here's the guarantee that I mean what I'm saying. And if I don't show back up, man, it's your money. And my wife is wearing that 55 yoke today on her hand. <laughs> and so the Spirit causes us to crowd, Abba, Father, Papa. There's the assuring Assurance that what has began is only going to follow with something greater. And so there's the initial pledge. There's the daily supply. We studied it in Philippians. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches. Not out of his riches, but according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So God gives us the initial pledge. He gives us the daily supply. But then this text, we'll study it next week in verse 18. There's the ultimate inheritance, notice verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed with us. Someday we're going to say with the Apostle Paul, it was all worth it because of the future inheritance that God has for us. Now how can we apply this text Let me make three suggestions as I close. Number one, if you are adopted, you should honor the one who has adopted you. You should honor the one who adopted you. When a father adopts a child, that father incurs certain responsibilities, but so doesn't the child. Children are to honor their father and their mother. And if that's true in an earthly sense, it's certainly true in a heavenly sense. Have you ever stopped to consider what it costs for you to be adopted by God? Have you thanked Him lately? Are you honoring Him with your life and helping others to come to know Him so that they too can honor Him? What are you doing to promote the family name? Secondly, you should honor the one who adopted you. If you are adopted, you should love the other family members. What father would not be grieved if he brought a child and adopted a child into his family and that That adopted child didn't love the other family members. There's nothing that makes me happier as a father, and certainly my wife as well, to see all of our children as adults just loving each other. They love each other, and they get along so well. And the Scripture teaches that God the Father delights when we love Him. Jesus said by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if, conditional if, you have love one for another. Listen, we're all sinners saved by grace, we're washed in the blood, we're adopted into the family, and we are made acceptable by Jesus Christ, and so we are to love one another. That's the badge of discipleship. The text doesn't say, by this all men will know you are my disciples if you are fundamental in the faith. Now, don't get me wrong, I am a fundamentalist in the historical definition of the word. I believe in biblical orthodoxy. I believe in the inerrancy of the Bible and the deity of Christ, the doctrine of the Trinity, the substitutionary death of Christ, his literal, physical, bodily resurrection from the dead and that he will literally, physically actually come again to judge the living and the dead. But listen to your pastor. Believing those things will not convince an unbelieving world if they come into a church and there's Christians gossiping and nagging and picking and fighting. They're not all that interested in what you have. Third, and finally, if you're adopted, you should be a responsible family member. You should be a responsible family member. Children in the family are to be taught to care for one another, to serve one another. But if I'm to take all the blessings and benefits of adoption, and then uh, like a sponge always soak in and never give out, that's not a good thing. I mean, who wants to be in a family where the members don't share their load? You know, somebody always makes the bed all the time, cleans up after everybody's mess, picks up all the clothes. i got to be careful here. I'm painting myself into a corner, I know. But <laughs> no, there, there, there's responsibilities that we have, right? There's a lot of Christians. They come and they only sit. They serve nowhere. They have intention of serving. No intention of serving anywhere. They're not responsible family members. So let me ask you, finally, in closing, are you a member of God's family? Have you been born into God's family and adopted into God's family? Listen, you cannot be adopted but through Jesus Christ. There's no sonship without adoption and there's no adoption without the Lord Jesus unless you humbly receive Him and call upon Him as Lord. You will meet God, not as a daddy, but as a judge. Now, our Father, we thank you this morning for your word. You gave it to your people to hear, to heed, to grow, to be changed. I pray today for someone who is here, who can't say I'm a child of the King, a child of the King, with Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. They're not sure that if this were their last day, that they would go home to be with You. Help them today in simple childlike faith to take You at Your Word that because Jesus died and paid for all of our sin, that whosoever will may come, whoever will call on His name will be saved. Would You do that? Would You come today? Today is this day of salvation. It's not something you earn. It's a gift you receive. And it's paid for in full with Christ's own blood. Would you say, Lord Jesus, save me? Now if you are saved, do you know my Father is rich in houses and lands? He holdeth the wealth of the world in His hands, of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold. His coffers are full, His riches untold. I once was an outcast on earth, a sinner by choice, and an alien by birth. But I've been adopted, my name's written down, an heir of salvation, the kingdom and crown. Though poor on this earth, oh, why should I care? Since glorious things for me God doth prepare. Though trials abound, yet still may I sing, All glory to God. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. A king, a child of the King. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the King. Praise Him today for that. Father, we deserve nothing, but you gave us everything. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, how we bless you for blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. May we learn of the inheritance that you've written of us here in Scripture. May we never forget the great price that was paid to make us adopted children of the King. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: To listen again to today's study in its entirety, why not download the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets and look up the message, The Blessings of Adoption. You can find the Search the Scriptures app at the iTunes Store or Google Play Store simply by searching for Search the Scriptures with Carl Broge. And, of course, you can always listen online at our website, searchthescriptures.org. And if you have any questions or would like a CD or DVD copy, call us at 877-787-7478. Tomorrow on Search the Scriptures, Pastor Brogy examines suffering in the Christian's life. Join us then as we search the Scriptures.